Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Bug Eyes Rock Pop Rambles. This is a Halloween and autumn special. Boo, ghoulishness. We're taking you on a road trip of the darker side of music. <laughs> I haven't quite gone to the darker side. I've gone for the more sparkly side and you'll see where I'm coming from later. Mine's a bummer of a trip, I have to say. Well, it's... I'm here to counteract it, don't worry. Well, that's that's good. Um, <laughs> I'm your host, Angela, and joining me this week is... Paula from the band Bug Eye. We're both from the band Bug Eye, but you know that already because this is like episode... 365. Yeah, I don't know, Not 1 quite. billion and whatever. No, I think it's episode 54 now. Ooh. So, yeah. This one. Still counting. Still counting. Still counting. Still there. So, this week, I'm going to talk about... I say it's Halloween themed. I say it's it's morbid kind mm-hmm. of themed. So, the darker side of um, music... And what are you talking about, Paula? Well, I've got an explosive track for you. Sorry. I just took a mouthful of beer and totally missed my mouth and just chucked it down myself. 10 out of 10. It was like out of... Um, have you seen the film Aeroplane where he says he's got a drink problem? Yeah. <laughs> he just throws a drink over himself. Classic so, joke. Yeah, that's, that's me. Um, so new music-wise, I've got um, New Discovery, actually, which was a listener recommendation. So I'm going to play something from a band called Rosebush. Ooh, interested to hear that. And who are you playing? I'm playing the Stella Sipping Loose Articles. Ah, yes, we're playing the Loose Articles in December. And I can say that because I feel like that's far enough into the future that even when this show comes out, it will still, still be, be relevant. relevant. <laughs> Unlike the last episode, it was like a month out of date. So we're totally like back on track with getting shows out weekly. And we need to pay a bit of attention to our Patreons. We do. We've been very... Supportive. Yeah, I tell you what, we, we can give a shout out to our Patreons. What would you like to be known as, mm. as a collective? That's true. Best suggestion wins a prize. Or don't we call them bugs? I've just totally no, lost bugs track. Is everyone. Bugs is everyone. That's not unique. Okay. Right, Patreons are special. So what have you been up to this week? What have I been up to this week? Well, well, I think we've both been quite busy getting ready to go on this tour, which is kicking off on Friday. And that's Friday the 5th of November. Firework night. Well, we have subsequent dates around the UK, so I'm sure you can catch <laughs> us on one of them, including said date on the 6th of December. So as long as you're... The 5th of the December. The 5th of December even. So good with the tour dates. The 6th of December was the day of holiday I needed to book to drive back from it. So that's why I'm thinking the 6th of December. Yeah, managed to get myself organised for that one. Yippee, the rest could be a struggle. Well, I've had my sixth track it, tra- track it, can't even speak, traffic violation. Traffic violation, is that what in, we're calling them in, now? We're yeah. not calling them parking fines, speeding tickets, they're it's traffic not speeding violations. Tic- it's, uh, uh, literally, well, no, because three of them, four of them were not parking fines. They were literally, I turned left on this road and I've driven through this barrier the wrong way. I thought about to been... say you drove the wrong way down a one-way street, no, which would have been epic I've to been get fined fine four for. times and then literally parking in the Royal Docks for part of a festival to drop some stuff off, which I've contested because it was supposed to be 20 minutes. I mm-hmm. swear I was back at my car, but I've had two fine. I'm scared to open any letters right now. I would be really as well. And then also the fucking stinger of the tail this week was that... Um, Question, can my, you get any more expletives into this sentence? Oh my God. I, I know you're vexed, but seriously. Really, yeah, so my audio interface, and for those that, that don't like work in music or whatever, an audio interface is something that you plug mics in. It's basically what takes audio that you like analog, so your voice, your guitar, whatever you want to record, takes it into a digital like recording software. You have to have one of these to record. And... Um, Mine just completely died on me. So we're podcasting with a bit of Stone Age equipment. Don't say that because it's working um, just fine no, for us right beautiful. now. it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I used to write everything thing. on this. It's got like a, oh my God, it's got the tiniest screen for editing. It's like one centimetre high and about six centimetres long. And I actually wrote, for those that are Bug Eye fans, the song Is This Love, um, programmed drums, everything on the Zoom HD 16, which is 
a portable recording studio, but it's it's so old. But it is genius. It's genius. It is genius. I highly recommend and it's it. It's also even got a retro compact disc thing in it. It does. It does. But it's got like. Can you burn straight onto compact you disc? You can. You can. And it's also got loads of memory where all the portable studios now you have to buy like huge amounts of memory cards mm. to to go in them which is just really annoying um i mean they've got loads of like effects and stuff but it's i don't know if you're going to transfer it to a computer you don't need those effects and um yeah this is perfectly zoom fine. sponsoring this show uh zoom should sponsor the show <laughs> uh, but yeah so it's it's really old but it saved my life this saved week the bacon um so yeah i probably need to buy oh, a new bacon comes up in my intro <laughs> does it oh yeah. look at that, look at that. <laughs> see what i did i've got some fantastic stuff coming up on with the pod on with the pod we have rambled um i don't know what to say now what are we even doing we're on a podcast aren't we so well i'm talking about the november institution that is bonfire night and my song relates to that you're talking about i'm talking about well i say it's halloween it's not halloween mine as predicted is totally true crime based is it terrifying Um, it's it's not happy tale at all it's really not happy tale um and i would say uh, before i start it there will be a number of trigger warnings on this one why did i agree to do this Um, one hey i started off researching phil collins right that's where i started this is the horrificness the air tonight and then i just ended up somewhere completely different but i um, mean i must say i think it's quite clear that my research went to some odd lengths of google searching well i think you should start first because then if people don't want to listen to the second half because it is it's i'm not gonna lie it's a bit fucked up right so um so yeah then people can just drop off so, so on with the show on with the show go on so we are going back to 2010 doodly, doodly, doodly. Boo. apple has just launched the ipad uber is a brand new company there are mega earthquakes in chile and haiti there's a huge pandemic called <gasps> was it swine flu it was swine flu oh my god and i actually got swine i know flu. i know i thought that would relate to you and that was your 30th birthday wasn't it no, no, was no. it not no. in 2010 that was the year before. It was still raging, oh God, don't worry. How could I not even remember that? Because it we're was born still raging. Year. It was still raging. On with the show. Lady Gaga is wearing meat dresses and Simon Cowell is giving birth to One Direction via The X Factor. Look at that. Lovely piece of facts. Lovely true. piece of facts. But 2010 was a great year for someone and that someone was Katy Perry. The woman who'd been born Kate Hudson was now not only a successful pop act, but one of the most well-known musical acts of generation. She'd made a name for herself as a chart-topping pop star two years earlier with the singles Kissed a Girl and Hot and Cold. By October of the year, she'd released her third album, Teenage Dream, and her first two singles both going to number one. However, she kept back to her fave track from the album and now was ready to unleash it on the world. Given the autumnal, well, big word, <laughs> theme of this, can you guess what I am covering for this week's pod? What song? She's... Her song, her big, her big. Oh, what's know. her big song? I mean, kissed a girl, but she's got another biggie. I don't know. Baby, you're a firework. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't seem so excited. <laughs> Didn't have too much time to pull this together, so it's super basic. Oh, I see. So it's tied into bonfire night. Exactly. And <laughs> um, for are you? Because our number one listener, like location is in the States, so we will have to explain a little what bit. What Bonfire Night yeah. is. So uh, we it's can a celebration. It is a celebration. It's a, it's a fucked up celebration, to be honest. No, it's not. I think it's a, it's a celebration of, what do they call him? The last honest person who walked into Parliament. <laughs> <laughs> so there was this dude, I could say Guy, but his name was Guy Fawkes. So that might be a little confusing. Mm-hmm. And he hatched a cunning plan, let's say, to sail up the River Thames with a boat full of gunpowder, sail into the, under the Houses of Parliament and blow Parliament up. However, he was caught. I'm going to assume he was burnt to death. No, 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 no. Actually, he was caught, but he was caught guarding the explosives mm. under the House of Lords. Oh, was it Lords, um, not Parliament? Yeah, no, House of Lords. And um, King James I was obviously on the throne at that point, and there was this whole sort of Protestant Catholic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. thing. And, uh, yeah, so he was caught, and so was um, the whole kind of gang. And typically the um, execution 
method then was hung, drawn and quartered. And, uh, you know, we're led to believe that Guy Fawkes was burned, but he wasn't. And I'll come on to that in a second. But what actually happened was as he was... I've, I've read a couple of different versions of this, but as he was brought up to be hung, he jumped from the ladder and snapped his neck, so died instantly, so he didn't get to go through all of that. Crap. Mega nastiness. Yeah, so now, weird, in order weird. to remember yeah. Mr. Guy Fawkes, what we do is we build a bonfire, make a stuffed person, put yeah. it on top and set fire to it because that's not a morbid but thing that to was do. A public, that was a public celebration um, that King James created. So it wasn't to celebrate. Mm. Um, it was to celebrate the fact it's that dead. the plan didn't... Yeah didn't work so they got people to to light bonfires but actually the tradition of lighting bonfires around this time of year dates like way way back it makes sense there's a lot of kind of pagan times well there's a lot of dead wood flying around isn't there anyway so that's a story of bonfire i do think about researching um the guy fawkes melody thing but anyway melody <laughs> thing <laughs> what would you call it it's nursery it. rhyme rhyme it's, not a nursery. it's a rhyme is there a nursery rhyme yeah about guy fawkes yeah i'm sure there is is there yeah oh no the, oh yeah it's uh remember remember yeah, the 5th that one. december november treason. november december's our gig oh yeah foolishness <laughs> just thought i'd slip that one in there <laughs> subtle subtle all right uh should we go back to case perry yes let's do that as her own teenage dreams do you see what i did there Yep. Yeah. Uh, of stardom. And did you know she'd actually released an album prior to her kind of hitting the big time? And it was some kind of like weird, not weird. It was some kind of churchy based label that she was signed to. What? Yes. Uh, no, but but was, I want to hear that. It apparently didn't perform too well when she was dropped. But anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. No. She's doing all right, as we'll come I to think, at the end yeah, of this. Don't she worry. Doesn't don't need worry my at all. Yeah. Uh, she co wrote the lyrics to Firework with a hit songwriter, Esther Dean. Together they hatched a cunning plan as we knew that she was a better singer than a lot of people thought at the time. I mean, well, uh, Esther later shared. We wanted to highlight that. She wasn't trying to be perfect. There wasn't any fancy effects. It was just from the heart. So, so I think this song was quite a sort of personal one for her. And that's what I've kind of read, that she writes quite a lot of sort of things that are going, up, going on in her life. But this mm. was something that, you know, it's her big moment kind of thing. Her fixation with fireworks stemmed from several childhood experiences with her father. On more than one occasion, she'd assist her dad in smuggling fireworks into America from Mexico in order to celebrate national holidays. <laughs> because if you're, if you're going to smuggle something from Mexico, why not fireworks? Why not? <laughs> why not? But I also think that's a little bit odd considering she's supposed to have, have had this sort of super religious upbringing. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah. you know, well, who am I to judge? So what is the song about? It's actually deeper than you think. Like for a it is it? For a, well... <laughs> is it now <laughs> I'll let you be the judge Angela uh, the lyrics were inspired by Jack Kerouac's classic book On the Road the novel's most famous passage had been brought to her attention by her boyfriend soon to be husband and even sooner ex-husband Russell Brand and goes the only people for me are the mad ones the ones who are mad to live mad to talk mad to be saved the ones who never yawn or stay in a commonplace or say a commonplace thing rather but Burn, burn, burn. And that's a lyric that's kind of repeated or rephrasing. Phrasing? Is that what you would say in the song? You see the blue centre light of pop and everybody goes, ah. And she said that this passage remind, reminded Russell Brand about her. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But he has some other things to say about her, which we'll come to later. But just in case that was a bit too heavy for the world of pop, Katie herself summed it up a little neater by saying the song was actually stemming from what she wants to be done with her body when she dies. What? Yeah, listen. When I pass, I want to be put into a firework and shot across the sky over Santa Barbara Ocean as my last hurrah, she said. I want to be a firework, both living and dead. I mean, I mean, you know, odd, whatever. Some, you know what? My mind went to her body being put into like a giant rocket and exploding, which I thought that is gross, but I presume she thinks... She's going to be cremated in her ashes. No, no, I think she wants, no, she wants to be shot across the sky. I don't think, oh, her ashes be put into a firework, potentially. I think that's probably more, rather than the, the weird exploding human. Well, I'm, going to, I'm going to the pub for a pint with her later, I'll ask her. <laughs> <laughs> so, was Katy Perry a firework? <laughs> now, you can see where I went with my research this week. <laughs> and if anybody ever looked at my um, yeah. search history, it'd be quite interesting. 
In 2010, Katy Perry embodied the romantic, beautiful and impossible. She was a person who her audience dreamed of becoming. She, she soared to superstardom, marrying the person she thought was the love of her life. Yet when she began to challenge the pop star fantasy three years later with the album Prism, she began to fall. Many rejected her rather than face the truth that Perry's dreamy pop persona was only ever exactly that, a myth. Oh, that's harsh. Oh, there's more. That's harsh. Katy Perry caused great sensation. She continues to spark, but what use of firework with no one to see it? Who said that? <laughs> These are on various sites. I'll post it into the show notes. You can prolong the explosion indefinitely, but nothing lasts forever. Katy Perry wanted to burn like a firework and explode, but it seems she failed to consider one very important question. What happens after that? Which is a little harsh. I think that I've gone silent because I just think people... Oh, just no, no, no. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. It comes good. Which is a little harsh, as is her now ex-husband Russell Brand's summary, summary of her world, which is one that's vapid, vacuous, plastic, constructed, mindless celebrity... Oh come I mean, on! He's a little. That's a little bit dark for someone. Okay, that you're okay. To. I do have, um, and, and maybe I'll get pulled up on this. I know someone that worked with him mm-hmm. in the studio, and he refused to even acknowledge the people he thought that were lesser than him. Right. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, luckily, Katie doesn't seem her empowerment anthem is cheesy. In fact, she's rather touched that people co-opted the song for their sales. It's a fine line, she told MTV, and I think Firework would be like the opus on my one song if I had to pick only one song to play, because it's got a great beat and a fantastic message. And her fans agreed with her. A a total staggering 38,000 people attended an open call for the video. Jesus. 38,000 people turned up for an open call for a video. Madness. It spent four weeks on the Billboard number one spot, and she sold it in excess of one... Sorry. 143 million records. So I think she's had the last laugh after all. Well, totally. Totally. It's just, I mean... Haters can hate, but she's the winning. Well, yeah, exactly. And the thing is with Katy Perry, I think think you get a lot of, like, music press that kind of look at pop and they turn their nose up at it and are really snobby. But, like, the numbers speak for itself. And the thing is, it, it... yeah, I don't know. I just I just think, you know, was she trying to write a Bruce Springsteen album or Bob Dylan classic? No, she wasn't. She's she's writing she's pop. a pop star, she's writing pop. And uh and she's doing it incredibly well. So to end on a lighter note, I've got a quiz for you, because we all know you love a quiz as much as you love Halloween. Almost. Yeah. Almost, go for it. almost, almost. So Teenage Dream shares the record for for the album with the most number one singles taken from it. Can you name the other one? other one yeah so there's two albums that had yeah. four singles all of them gone to number one what was the second one? Oh, i haven't got no idea i think i'm not even a katie perry fan when i say i'm not a fan no no, no. katie perry's one of them there's another artist there's another artist yeah. who's had uh, hang on there's another artist i've just totally misunderstood the question there's another artist mm-hmm. that has had four hit sing- there's probably loads four hit singles oh, yeah, yeah this could be at one. the same time no, on, about I... 10 years earlier. <laughs> oh, my God. So 10 uh, years... More than 10 years earlier. Well, you could fucking say the about Beatles, 15. couldn't you? You could, like... Four who... number ones from one album? Four number ones from one album. Yeah. Um, would that be... One of the oh. biggest albums of the 80s. Oh, God. Would that be um, Madonna? No. No, it's not. Um, Cher? No. I'm just going to keep reading off the artist. Kate Bush? No. No, she didn't have four number ones. That's a lie. Um, fuck. You know, I think we covered this in a past podcast. This is all from the internet, so this could not be actually true. Crikey. I have no idea. Michael Jackson, bad. (sighs) Okay, next one. This was a seventh song with fire in its title to reach number one. Yeah? Can I just say, that last question, I'm going to pull a Kerry here and go, that was totally, like... Name an album that's had four mm-hmm. singles from it. From from you know you weren't you weren't clear in the question. Was I not? No. Wait for this one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you think that one's bad? This was a seventh song with fire in its title to reach number one. Can you name the previous six ones? You fucker! <laughs> for all the quizzes you've right, ever given me. Relight my fire, but the original. So no, ta- you can say take that 
and also the oh my god what's what's her name ah and i'm going what i found on song facts okay and song facts people don't state their sources so you have to be correct (laughs) (laughs) you have what's on my paper oh my god why why can't i remember her name she did she she was like a 60s oh jesus i know exactly who you're talking about oh and is she on the list she isn't oh she's not okay well just this could be american to be fair fire fire i mean there's Hang on, hang on, from what, what period? So from, from, from back, from which from day? From 1967 to 2009. Okay, you've got Fire by Prodigy. No. No? Oh, shit. Um, There's oh one that's pretty God. obvious, to be fair. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, when you ask someone the question of what's your favourite band and suddenly you can't think of anything. Um, so, okay, so I've said take that. Mm-hmm. Really like my fire. Was that one? No. Oh God. That I mean, might have been after 2010. Wasn't, wasn't fire even? No. Take that. Really like my fire. Was like when we were at school or something. That's like 90s, isn't it? Sure is. Maybe this is an American list um, then. Fire. Oh my God. No. That literally. They're Should the I only give you a clue? I'll give you a clue for the on easiest then. one. Go on then. The band's name is part of a house. The house Martins. No. You have a front what? Door. Yeah. The doors. Relight my fire. Yes. Oh, thank you. I mean, to be fair, I <laughs> didn't really it. get that one, did We've I? Got nine, 1975, Ohio Players, Fire. Never heard of it. <laughs> no idea who that is. Char- Chariots <laughs> of Fire, song oh, title. Chariots of Fire, yes. Yep, heard of that one. John Parr, St. Elmo's Fire. Ah, okay. We have Billy Joel, We Didn't Start the Fire. Oh, yeah. We Didn't yep. Start the Fire. And Owl City, Fireflies. Oh, well, I think... That's this is a hard quiz. Okay. This is like this it's is getting yeah. easier. Is it? R. Robin reckons Katy Perry's first live performance was at the Water Rats. First live performance in the UK, just to clarify. True or false? According to her Wikipedia page. I think that's false. It's gonna be true, isn't it? It's one of those bullshit things of That Robin knows about. Yeah. <laughs> Final answer, please. Uh, this is let's, dub- say, let's say it's true. It is, in fact, true. true. Hey, <laughs> and that is Katy Perry with firework. Woo! That was good. Messy, messy, messy. So, should we have to spin some tunes? Go on then, go for it. Alrighty. So, as I said, I'm playing the Stella sipping loose articles. Kick like a girl, cause why not?
so that was an awesome loose article kick like a girl they're out and about touring up and down the country they have dates supporting foo fighters so if you get the opportunity to go and see them i would say do it they're going to be mega they describe themselves as feminine threatening and working class and i describe them as absolutely brilliant so check them out um, so should we get a little bit dark we're gonna then? go really dark and i'm gonna do a trigger warning on this because it contains um violence against women rape torture all of that fucked up horrible stuff i'm not gonna go into detail okay. on any of that I was stuff gonna say, maybe i'm a little bit uncomfortable it's, with this it's it gets mentioned mm-hmm. And this is obviously, this is um, talking about things that actually happened. Mm-hmm. As I say, I don't actually go into those details because I, this is not a true crime podcast. Um, there are plenty of podcasts out there that do true crime amazingly well. We are um, them. So, yeah, my favourites being Morbid at the moment, always um, Drunk Women Solving Crime and um, my favourite Yeah, they're kind of... I know it sounds weird saying they're comedy, true crime podcasts. They're not heavy, are they? They're not. Wouldn't it, well, it does get heavy, but they're not. They're not making fun of true crime. They are just funny women in themselves. And drunk women solving crime is always almost like light-hearted crimes in a sense. I don't think they really go into like the dark, the darker mm. side of things. But anyway, yeah, check them out. Um, so, on with the show. On with the show. So, the first track, and as I say, um, I was looking at songs that were about story, like real things that were dark that have happened, mm-hmm. and I just could not believe the list of things. Like I say, um, I started off with Phil Collins in the air tonight, yeah. which is about someone being drowned in a river. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, there's various versions of it, and I think it's actually all, like, not true at all but um there there was just so many this could be like its own podcast series in itself songs about dark shit sinisterness (laughs) yeah um but i found um two that had a common thing Mm -hmm. connection which we'll hear about in a minute so i'm going to start off with there's an artist called nico case who is a um so nico case was sort of born on September the 8th, 1970. She is an American singer-songwriter mm-hmm. and a member of the Canadian rock group The New Pornographers. And uh, she she grew up in Tacoma in Washington, mm-hmm. um, just south of where a series of murders were taking place. Um, and so the song I'm going to talk about... She is, was alive at this time? Yes. Okay. Uh, the song I'm going to talk about is Deep Red Bells. And I have a connection to this area as well, Ooh. which was terrifying Ooh. at exactly the same time. Is it Charles time. Manson? Because he pops so, up everywhere. No, no, no. There was a song I could have talked Ooh. about, about Charles Manson, because Sonic Youth um, have a song called Death Valley, okay. which is about Charles Manson. But I swear, more which... often than not, if there's something bad, he turns up in Oh, it. yeah. No, no. He totally... Like, I, I counted. There's been 19 separate times I've mentioned him connected to different artists that is just bizarre but anyway this one is not a charles manson one um so nico's song is a i suppose a reflection on growing up in the shadow Mm -hmm. of a serial killer Mm -hmm. like being around at that time and how you must feel living with that fear the song is from the blacklisted album that she wrote which was released back in 2002 which was the year after the serial killer was caught but the song that she wrote that i'm talking about came out before he was caught so it was about okay. that or no no just as he was um getting confused question yep. the album's called blacklisted or it was blacklisted. the album is called blacklisted and the song is called Re- um, deep red bells um and it's about um it, it kind of came out as she was writing it as this this guy was caught mm-hmm. so and the album came out the following year was what i was saying okay. um in a really convoluted roundabout way. roundabout way um anyway i had listened to the album today and i could totally understand why it, it's kind of critically celebrated i'd never heard of this artist before no, no, being no, in I the haven't UK. Either. it's a bit of a masterpiece of songwriting to be honest it's packed with like lots of i don't know like clever metaphors mm-hmm. and um really skillful storytelling um 
it's I don't know how to explain it. it's kind of expect sort of smoky vocals and country influences you know the way that country songs just have this great yeah. kind of way of taking a narrative like telling a great story mm-hmm. in a really short space of time um but this but this isn't just like it's not a country album it's kind of blended artfully with sort of pop undertones and it's beautiful and haunting all at the same time and uh yeah i do i do think you should check it I out i do yeah so right so the, the song deep red bells is about a serial killer. Do you know which one, Paula? I can read some lyrics to give you a clue. Is it a well-known one? It is. And it's not Charles Manson? No. So the lyrics contain some clues for any kind of... what, well, And also the location for any true crime buffs out there bound to kind of... Boston Strangler. Who is... Well, this isn't Boston, is it? Tacoma oh. is near... Okay, Tacoma's in Washington... And it's kind of the Washington a couple of couple strangler. of couple of hours from Seattle Airport. I'm gonna I'm gonna read okay. you some lyrics. Okay, I don't think you're gonna get this. So thanks for your vote of confidence. And and also, <laughs> but also these lyrics they're not in like the when it's, the verses are complete. But I've I've just taken a couple yeah, of, of verses Makes from sense. the song, so it's not the way the song's sung. So um, he led you to this hiding place. His lightning frets sprung silver tongues. The red bells beckon you to ride, a handprint on the driver's side. It looks like engine oil and tastes like being poor and small, and popsicles in the summer. Where does this mean world cast its cold eye, who's left to suffer, suffer sorry, long about you? Does your soul cast about like an old paper bag, past empty lots and early graves, those like you who lost their way, murdered on the interstate while the red bells rang like thunder? It's it's very apt when you know... Do you know who this is about? I don't know. This is about Gary Leon Ridgway, better known as the Green River Killer. Who I've not heard of, to be fair. Really? Not yeah, at all? no, no. But I, I try to stay away from these kind of things. They terrify me Whoa. otherwise. Okay, right. So years ago, um, like, I think, yeah, my first girlfriend, her mum lived... Um, in, which is near Tacoma, and um, she lived in like the like on a mountain in the woods, and she was sort of self-sustained and lived in these this cottage, no locks on the doors, there was no lights, it was all like you know I don't need electricity and all of this stuff. She also had a crazy neighbour that you know when you took your, the dog for a walk in the woods, they didn't get on, and he used to fire his rifle. Um, <laughs> Wow. Just just like through the trees. Just wow. Um, which is fucking terrifying. But like um at the time there were loads of like women go missing and mm-hmm. stuff. And I, this is this is me and I read and listen to a lot of true crimes that so naturally the fact that there's no lock on the door on its own is enough, to, enough be terrifying, to terrify you. Being in the woods with no electricity, no lights, plus some fucking crazy person who fires a gun all the time at you. And animals screaming and whatever, and these women go missing. I actually went to bed one night with an axe. I'm not even joking. I'd have gone to bed in the nearest hotel I, with a I, door. I hardly. It was a dead of winter. It was freezing. Um, there was no look. I, I yeah. I went to bed with an axe. I'd have just gone to a hotel. Just I just, I just don't know what's wrong with having a look. All right, you trust the community. Just have a look. Just have a look. Doesn't matter, does it? Just have a look. <laughs> have a look. Then no one can walk in. By mistake, sleepwalkers, anyone. You know, just lock your door. Have a lock. There was no lock. That was the problem. Anyway. Digress. Um, oh, God. Um, but Tacoma is quite pretty, but also... Terrifying. Yes, for, for those out there. But for those no locks. in Tacoma. Um, anyway, so... He was active throughout the 80s and 90s. Um, Long time. And murdered at least 49 women, although he claims to have killed as many as 80. So for 20 years, he basically terrorised King County um, with women in fear of becoming his next victim. Mm -hmm. And in an interview with AV Club... um, Nico talks about Nico talks about um, this time actually growing up during this. Um, so she says, "I grew up while he was killing women, and on the news they never talked about them like they were women. They just called them prostitutes. 
Myself and other girls in my neighbourhood didn't make that distinction. Mm -hmm. We thought the Green River Killer was going to kill us. We were scared of him. We'd go to school with steak knives in our pockets and stuff. Fuck, that's heavy. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's absolutely terrifying. So, I mean, basically, most of Ridgeway's um, victims were alleged to be sex workers and other women who were considered vulnerable. So, like, things like underage hitchhikers Mm -hmm. or women just hitchhiking. Um, And the press gave him his nickname after the first five victims were found in the Green River. So this was obviously before his identity was known. And, And what he would do is he strangled his victims, usually by hand, but sometimes using ligatures. And after strangling them, he would dump their bodies in forested, overgrown areas um, and often returned... Sorry, this is really disturbing. It's all disturbing. Often returned to the bodies to have sexual intercourse with them. What the actual fuck? um, But you know what? He had fucked up behaviour way, 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 way before the 80s, though, right? When he was 16, he stabbed a six-year-old boy. Um, Basically, he led the boy into some woods and stabbed him through the ribs into his liver, but thankfully the boy survived the attack. Um, And then then Ridgeway later told a psychologist that he was interested in stabbing because he was struggling with being sexually attracted to his own mother and wanted to kill her because of it. What on earth? And you know when you just think, I I think there's some warnings here. That no point did some alarm bells not ring. <laughs> there's there's some other disturbing stuff about what? about about this a little bit later. But anyway, he became a suspect in the Green River killings in 1983. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 1984, Ridgeway passed a polygraph test. So the lie detector test had never. Never 100% accurate. Mm-hmm. And it's believed that psychopaths can just pass them. People yeah. who, you know, they they have no... They're not going to panic when asked with yeah. certain questions. Yeah. So, well, they have no so empathy, they're not, do they? Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, on 7th April 1987, police took hair and saliva samples from Ridgeway and these remained on file for a day when DNA technology... Um, advancements were in a sort of better, yeah. better place. Um, but it, I mean, it wasn't that far off because it wasn't actually until 1988, only the following year, that the first man was convicted of murder on the basis of DNA evidence. It actually really? had that amount of credibility. Wow. Um, and that was Colin Pitchfork for the murder of 15-year-olds Linda Mann and Dawn Ashworth in um, Leicestershire in the UK. Um, there's... There's an interesting documentary about that case, actually, on... I think it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, when the bodies first started appearing, the King County Sheriff's Office formed the Green River Task Force, hoping to discover the person responsible. And they got help from an unlikely source. Now, who do you think that was? The guy himself. Was he that messed up? Ted Bundy. No. Oh, what? Which was also the basis of the Silence of the Lambs thing, you know, of like Clarice and helping, helping, you know, having that yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of interview yeah, yeah. base. It was all based on this. Um, so Ted Bundy, who by that point had been in prison yeah. for a number of years and on death row, um, their crimes, like his and the Green River um, killer, their crimes were similar in nature. So what he, was his motivation for helping? Was he getting like... Not early parole, but, not, but maybe not just a kick out of it. He he just he's thinks just a he was just such a fucking psychopath mm. and egotistical asshole. He just thought. I mean, you know, during the whole Ted Bundy thing, he represented himself yeah. as yeah, you know like his that. own solicitor. It was crazy, um, and I, it was crazy that that was even allowed to happen. But anyway, that aside, um, he was interested in helping because he believed he could give insight into the profile building of the Green River Killer. Probably could. Um, and during one interview session, Bunsey reportedly suggested that the uncaught Seattle serial killer was most likely to be revisiting the dump sites. I hate that word, dump mm-hmm, site, mm-hmm. Um, to perform necrophilia on corpses. And he advised investigators if they found a fresh grave that they should stake it out and wait for the killer to return. Did they? Um, not successfully, no. And Bundy's theories turned out to be absolutely correct on that point. Rest on a bike. Um, 
so even even though that was true, Ridgeway did things to the crime scene to contaminate it mm. and throw people off the scent. So he did things like um, he left chewing gum and cigarette butts. He didn't chew gum or smoke, yeah. so it was just things to kind of throw yeah. people off the scent. Anyway, back to those DNA um, samples that were collected in 1987, they'd later be subjected to DNA profiling, mm-hmm. providing the evidence for his arrest warrant, which was amazing. And that was on the 30th of November, 2001. Um, Still took their time about it, though, hey? 13 years after. Well, yeah. Well, the thing is, it was just like the whole profiling thing and the way that technology was used and mm. the testing and, and making those connections. And he would he won't have been the only person that had, like, samples taken for use at a later date, I'm guessing. No, exactly. But still, 13 years is a lot of time. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of were actually lost from people that they took yeah. them from, which is... Really, really quite tragic. But um, anyway, so he was arrested on the 30th of November at um, the Kenworth Truck Factory where he worked as a spray painter. Mm. Um, And at this point, he was only linked to four murders. Only. Uh, Only, yeah. But the trilling, the trilling, chilling and trilling truth of the situation was about to become clear. Um, Forensics that was also advancing showed that the spray paint that Ridge way used at work was present at a number of crime scenes and the list of murder charges began Whoa. to climb and on the 5th of november 2003 ridgeway entered a plea guilty uh, sorry a guilty plea um to 48 charges Jesus. of aggravated first degree murder as part of a plea bargain because it was 47 but there was one that um and i might have got this information slightly wrong but it was the plea bargain was something about him admitting to this other crime. Mm-hmm. And it meant that um, if he agreed to that as a plea bargain, he would not face the death penalty. Okay. And also if he would give um, details on locating where the other victims were um, and providing other details. So, um, yeah, anyway, he's now aged 71. Okay. Um, and he's serving life without parole in Washington State Penitentiary. So so that was um, Nico Case. Wow. Um, yeah. And then my last thing, yeah. which I'm going to go over very quickly, um, was I really didn't realise what Nirvana's song Polly was about. Did you? No, but I'm guessing murder. Oh, no. But there's a link to this other okay. case um, here that I just mentioned. The song's actually about the kidnapping of a 14-year-old girl in 1987. So, okay. same time. She was returning from a concert in Tacoma, Washington. Same, same place. Same place. Uh, when she was abducted by a man named Gerald Friend. Um, he took her back to his mobile home and raped her and did all sorts of things. The girl whose name was not released was tortured and whipped um, and uh, a blowtorch was used as well. She managed to escape when friend took her for a ride and stopped for gas, um, and he was arrested and sent to jail. But the this is horrendous, but like what we've talked about with Sarah Fried and lots of things, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, prevention of things that, you know, the, this didn't need to happen. Yeah. Um, well, this didn't start with this, did it? No, but this is this is how um, the justice system can really fuck up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, as I said, all of this could have been prevented. Friend was originally jailed for abducting a 12-year-old girl um, in Washington in July 1960, um, when he was just 22. He picked up the hitchhiking girl and her brother, but forced the boy out of the car at gunpoint... He then drove the girl to the Mount Rainier National Park where he beat her, raped her and cut her hair. Um, The victim eventually escaped by jumping into a river where she was then discovered by a passing motorist. So pretty horrific. Mm -hmm. Um, Friend's father, like his dad actually basically turned him in um, to the police and he was convicted of rape and torture with a minimum sentence of 75 years. So you ask yourself, how was the later crime able to happen? Well, after serving 20 years at Walla Walla, um, and escaping twice. So proving himself to be a great, you know, reformed prisoner escaped twice, but still he was paroled 
in 1980. Wow. Thankfully now, he's back in jail and serving two consecutive 75-year terms. But, you know, maybe they'll let him out in 20 years. I mean, I don't know how old he is now, but I take it probably dead before then. But, um, but yeah, so in the song, sorry, there's a point where Cobain sings um, about, where is it? So he says, um, Polly wants a cracker. I think I should get off her first. I think she wants some water to put out the blowtorch. I've wondered what that line was about. Well, I just I just thought the song was a bunch of nonsense, yeah, really. Yeah. Um, I didn't realise any of this um, at the time. But um, so the song is kind of sung from Friends' perspective, mm-hmm. which might seem a little messed up, um, especially when you read the lyrics and the way that it's sung in the, it's kind of like, I don't give a shit, whatever, mm-hmm. kind of really like s- swaggering sort of white lazy sort of tone, I mm-hmm. think, with it. Um, but the point of the song was to express Kurt Cobain's opinion that society needs to place its focus on educating men rather than teaching women mm-hmm. how to defend themselves against rape. Yeah. In assessing kind of, I suppose, friends' warped logic, Kurt Cobain reveals a mindset which is sort of as disturbing as it is, is still the product of society that yeah. tells men rape is acceptable. So that's what the song is about. Didn't know that about Polly. No, I didn't know that either. And do you want to hear another interesting fact? Go for about it. that song? Right, so there's a point in the song, in the recording, where Cobain sings um, only Polly says before pausing and then starting over. And that was actually a mistake in the studio where really? a lyric slip and um, the band and the recording team at the time liked it so much they left it on the album and obviously when he performs it live he's still no he obviously doesn't now but did at the time perform it like that um, also the song was originally titled Hitchhiker then it was changed to Cracker um, before they landed on Polly, Polly. And the song dates back to at least 1988. So it's a really old song that Kurt wrote. And it's like one of the oldest demos Mm -hmm. that he did of writing songs from Nirvana at that time. And it was just like a home demo that features him, just his vocals and and guitar. And there's two versions of it. There's the really slow downbeat one and there's the fast version as well that's Mm -hmm. made it on a couple of records. But a really fucked up thing about that song actually was... um, Kurt Cobain wrote about an incident which occurred after the song's original release on Nevermind. Um, in the liner notes to Incesticide, mm-hmm. that album, um, he writes, Last year, a girl was raped by two wastes of sperm and eggs while they sang the lyrics to our song Polly. I've, I have a hard time carrying on knowing there are plankton like that out there in our audience. Wow. So a really dark, Nirvana's darkest song. And so wow. that was my putting a toe into true crime again and... uh, Seriously depressing me. Dark, 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 dark meanings behind a couple of very good songs. Um, I think we need some music. We do, but I do have some great Halloween facts for you. They're a little bit fun, I think. I think we need it. Um, I think we do. Do you know... That All Hallows' Eve, Mm -hmm. which it was originally called, dates back to ancient Celtic times 2,000 years ago. Is it not a big celebration in Judaism as well? Yes, it is. Is that another one of your facts? Yes. (laughs) Oh, wait, go take one. It was believed that it was a kind of the night, it was a sort of boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead where that became blurred. And it was also like the perfect time of year that made it easier for like druids and Celtic priests to make future predictions. Well. Yes, yes. Um, And did you know that one quarter of all candy annually sold in the USA is purchased for Halloween. Man. Yeah. They love a bit of Halloween, don't they? They do. Now. Mad for it, they are. (laughs) Where do you think the tradition of um, pumpkin carving comes from? I think that's an American tradition. Ah, ah, It's Irish. The jack-o'-lantern comes from the Irish legend of Stingy Jack. 
Jack invited the devil to come and have a drink with him. Pineapple black stuff, um, was it? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he tricks the devil. He basically, I, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but he basically tricks the devil to turn himself into a coin okay. to pay for the drinks. Um, but Jack just pockets the coin and keeps it for like a year and then agrees to release the devil okay. if he promises that he'll never take Jack into hell or something okay. like that. Along those lines. Anyway, Who cares about these hells? This is rock pa- exactly, brambles. Exactly. But anyway, when Jack finally dies, heaven are like, you are a con artist. We don't want your sort. Late is my friend. You're gone. And the devil's like, well, I said you couldn't come in. You know, I'm sticking to my agreement. You, you know, you made me promise. Yeah. So he was destined to walk the earth for eternity in darkness. And so for him to be able to light his way, he carved out a turnip and put a piece of hot coal in there to light his way and that is where a jack-o'-lantern I bet it was from. a potato not a turnip well there is there is a view that you know they do I think it's Irish it's got to be a potato isn't it but it does say turnip oh really yeah I say that as an Irish person and you know I'm not perpetrating stereotypes here or anything then right okay Halloween ritual in the 18th century uh, single ladies devised a tradition to help them find a romantic match. What do you think they did? I think they rubbed goose fat on them and rolled in lavender. Nuh-uh. It's worth a shot. Kerry, take note. They threw apple peels over their shoulder, hoping to see their future husband's initials in the pattern of the apple peel when it landed. What? I think I've heard that. How random that is that? Sounds, and, and if it sounds familiar, that means I must have heard it because it is utterly random, isn't it? Let's face facts. Well, yeah, that also also the bobbing for apples thing, right? And I know this wasn't from research today, I just remember this fact, is um, basically the person who wins, who first gets the apple out, and this is for women, would be the first person to, to get, get married. married. Yeah, yeah, I knew that as well. It's yeah. like catching the so bit, both bouquet thing, isn't it? But then bringing it back to Croydon, yeah. and I promise this is my last... Last fact. Did you know Croydon has the highest number of witches anywhere in the world? Really? Anywhere in the world, right? And it's Office of National Statistics, right? So proper... ONS. Government data, right? Which is unusual for this show. <laughs> showed... I mean, obviously it doesn't talk about the world, but it talks about the UK. Yeah. And it says... it's a. This was from this... The, um, this was... Research from back in 2011, but they're redoing okay. the data next year. But basically... So it's current data. So, so it was listed by religion, right? What's your religion? How many people declared themselves to be pagan in Croydon, do you think? How many people are in the whole of Croydon first? There is... I think it's like 350,000, 400,000 people that live in so Croydon. So I'm going for 4%. What would that be? I'm going to go with 14,672. 56,620. And... So even with my 4%, I was way off. And people that listed Wicca... Yeah. um, 14,000. ...was 1,766. That's a massive chunk. Like, the 56,000 and the 1,700. That is a lot of people, right? How many people put Jedi? I didn't look at that. Angela, that's the one to go for. No, 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 no. But historically, Croydon, for many years, has been known to be a witchy place. But why are they like fault lines or something? I don't know. I tried tried to look that up as in why, and I didn't quite understand it. But I tell you, now that COVID is thing of the... Well, it's not thing of the past, but, you know, the events... Witch Fest International 2022. It's back. In Croydon? Witch Fest is back in Croydon... At the Fairfield Halls. No way. Um, there's live bands, oh. DJs, oh. a team of Morris dancers and workshops and all sorts of things. But because yeah, they always had like an annual witch Mm-mm. conferency event thing um, in Croydon. But yeah, so it's back. It's back. Tickets booked? Mm, no, but I'm wondering if the Morris dancers are those um, wild bedlam Morris dancers. I did the article on. I went to visit some. Maybe some. There's this like type of Morris dancer. You know, you think of like the kind of 
cutesy Bells and white hat. things. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. There's these Morris dancers that are in these kind of black costumes with like bits of fabric trailed mm. off them. And they've got these masks on with glowing red eyes. Um, and Maybe. yeah, I went along and Maybe. did an article on them once and, and was taught to to Morris dance and Julia was there and I took a video. Oh, actually, I'm going to post that video. That's, that's going to be Patreon, so you can see that. Yeah. Um, but I'd never seen Morris dancers like that. I wonder if they're there. That's um, yeah, really Ooh. nice people. So. Super. Time for a tune. Time for a tune, um, and probably the end of the show. So maybe let's just do some housekeeping now, and we'll sure. end on a really cool track. Perfect. Okay. So if you've got a story you want us to tell or new music you want us to play or corrections, there are always corrections, please email us at rockpoprambles at gmail.com. You will find us on Twitter at Bugeye Band, Instagram at Bugeye underscore music and Facebook as Bugeye Music. And anything else we want to add, Paula? Just that I'd be particularly interested to know if there are more artists out there who have had either four or more singles go to number one from the same album i thought you said arses arses yeah <laughs> so any arses out there artists sorry received pronunciation my dear <laughs> we're also on patreon which is patreon.com slash so come and join the cool kids um we've been rock pop rambles we are gonna end on a band called rosebush and I'm going to play the B-side um, from their single, um, which is called um, Where's the Party At? Because I Super. particularly like it. And I think there is a mixture of, I don't know. I don't know if I'm thinking Kate Bush because there's Rosebush in the title, but there's a mixture of like witches, mm-hmm. Rosebush, mm-hmm. tiny hint of Donovan in Ooh. there. But Ooh. I'm not sure if I've just got all a bit witchy, the season of the witch type thing in my head. So that's why I'm thinking it. But um, Rosebush are a duo which is based in North Yorkshire. Yeah. And they're working on a concept album at the moment, Ooh. which is inspired dy- by dystopian themes and COVID-19 pandemic. Um, yeah, so this song is their debut... Si- this, uh, blah, 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 speak Angela. It is their debut single, Where Do We Go From Here? Um but this is the B-side from it. But I think I'll also play after that. I mean, God, people can stick around and listen if they want to, to both songs. But I particularly liked Where's the Party At. Nice. Um, so let's end on that. Let's have a listen. Over and out. Mm-hmm.